1: to the two-man power trip of wrestling i am your host jp john pause and joining me today is a former a wwe referee He's worked for the wb for over 30 years he is mr mike Kyoto. mike welcome in to the two-man power trip
0: yeah thanks for having me on john appreciate it john pause
1: what's happening hey not too much i know we we're just kind of talking off air fellow jersey boy which is awesome
0: yeah right fellow jersey boy born in bayonne yeah. raised up in cherry hill in 74 Missing Jersey a little bit, but I've been kind of away from Jersey for a while. So I was in Texas for about 13, 14 years and now in Tampa, Florida. So enjoying the weather
1: here. Oh, I was wondering why you had that Texas number. I was like, oh, Texas. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize you live in Texas. Okay.
0: Yeah, I was in Houston for about 13, 14 years over there.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. Jersey, Texas. Interesting. Yeah, Florida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now in Florida. Yeah. Warm weather.
0: That's it. Better beaches here, too. So it's nice. The Tampa Three
1: day. wrestling hotbeds, too.
0: That's true. That is true. That is true.
1: Now, when I think of, like, New Jersey and wrestling, I think of, like, Gorilla Monsoon, Joey Morella, you know, obviously oh, yeah. Bam Bam, Candido and stuff, but you yep. kind of broke in under Gorilla, right? Yep,
0: under Gorilla Monsoon and uh, broke in, started doing a ring crew when I was a teenager, 15, 16 years old. Doing uh, That's when Gorilla had his own little territory from Vince Sr. And he had a ring. And, and Victor Quiones used to run a ring crew. And Joey Morella used to work at Tony Chimwell and I. And used to make good money. He used to make 300, 400, 500 bucks a night working, selling programs, and doing a ring crew and robes and you know, all the other stuff. So and grew up with the old school wrestlers and did that. And I went back full time when I was about 18.
1: That's awesome. What was the name of the promotion with the Gorilla?
0: Well, no, was, Gorilla just had his own territory. He, he worked for Vince Sr. for the World Wrestling Federation, but it was oh. just he ain't a territory. He did like Spectrum wildwood new jersey every monday at the convention center on, on the boardwalk there every monday in the summer times um he did salisbury maryland Kind we kind of had like the little northeast territory allentown pennsylvania and all that so he just had his little territory and he used to work all the ring crew that's before vince mcmahon took over this is when vince senior owned it
1: so you were kind of working for the wwf really
0: that's correct. Yeah, I, I did. I did work for the WWF when we came, when I came back full time in 1819. So, and it was World Wrestling Federation at that time as well.
1: Were you always a big fan? Was that like your you know life's goal to get in the business? I was a
0: big fan of sports, baseball, football. Uh, wrestling intrigued me. Hogan intrigued me. You know, uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Big John Studd and a lot of the old school wrestlers used to see and a lot of wrestlers used to come over to Gorilla Monsoon's house. It was like, the Samoans and this and a lot of guys came over and um, over to Gorilla's once in a while in Jersey. And, you know, I was intrigued with the size of wrestlers, like how big they were and how small. And Andre the Giant, it was like, you know, you're seeing Andre, it was like, you've never seen anybody like that before in
1: your life. You know, how was Gorilla? Like, personally, was he as a Gorilla man? Guy,
0: great guy. And he was very straight up and gave me a lot of words of wisdom in his business. A um, lot of a lot of wisdom that I took from him. In the business, you know, growing up and stuff in this business, just his his uh, his wisdom paid off. And his words were to me like, Hey, I want you to be you should be a referee, uh, referees the longevity in this business. That's what I want Joey's, you know, to do. And you know, fortunately, Joey's been past now 20 something years. And um, you know, and that's and then he was he was right, you know, because he said if you want to be a wrestler, because I was always in the ring trying to take bumps with the guys and Steve Lombardi and Barry Horowitz and these guys and and uh, just messing around in the ring, you know, like during the day before the show. And he'd be like, well, what are you doing there bumping like a wrestler? I said, well, I'll just learn how to bump, sir, you know? And he goes, look, I told you, he goes, you want to be a referee? Be a referee. You're not one of the boys. I want to see you be a referee if you want. And then you'll have a longevity and you'll have a good career. Some of these wrestlers have a five, 10 year span. Some wrestlers have a good 20, 30 year span, but most of them have a good five year run tenure and they're done. He was you referee he could be refereeing for many years and it's true three decades
1: so how do you kind of break in and start like training to be referees at under joey uh, Morello's wing that was under joey Morello's ring
0: you know, like his wing teaching me um old school wrestlers i mean i was in the ring with george animal steel um great the hammer valentine there was so many rick rude and so many old school guys and just everybody if they liked you they you. you know they taught you And, you know, they told you what they wanted, how to work as a, you know, with a heel, how to work with a baby face. And, uh, you know, and of course, years ago was a lot more. uh, There was a lot more stuff to it. Like there was gimmicks and stuff like that. Like a referee used to have to play games with the gimmicks And you know, you'd put something behind his back. He'd he'd show it in the air that he's got something when the referee's turned and then you go check the wrestler. Then he puts it somewhere else. I mean, it was just a lot more. There was a lot more things learned. Learning from the old school is probably the best school I ever went to.
1: For when you're when you're doing that, are you in with like the wrestlers also? Like when you're training, I say those guys like around George Steele and Valentine. But like, are yeah. you bumping at all? Like, what are you doing as far as like training for refs?
0: No, you would just you would just uh, be in there every day working. Work as far as back in them days in the in the eighties, you would just you would go out there and learn. There was no school. And it was weird because, like, it, all the wrestlers in the eighties seemed like they had character. A lot of them had character, and they loved to wear the flamboyant robes and their nice gear and stuff like that. And took so much pride in their character, you know. And you know, at that point, and even in the eighties, people really didn't know whether it was fake or real, you know, because they'd see it and they go, "Okay, that's like, oh, that was real," you know. So, I mean, growing up with the uh, just doing matches after matches after matches and. Chief J Strombo and Rene Goulet and Jack Lonzo were your agents, and Grizzly Smith and a lot of the uh, old school agents would help you out and tell you what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right.
1: When you are kind of like going through the motions and stuff, is it really like, let's just say it's your first match, they just throw you out there and they're like, okay, yeah. just fend for yourself. Like, go, exactly. go, <laughs> you know, go
0: get it. That's exactly what it was, you know, and like, but a lot of wrestlers like back then, and they still do today. And they talked to each other and we used to talk carny and they taught you how to speak carny so that people wouldn't understand what you're saying or when you're on TV and stuff. Um, so we, we spoke a lot of carnival Carney and um, and they just taught you and it just it just got thrown out. Like one day I showed up. I mean, I was doing a ring crew. We were there all day, Tony Chimel and I, and he was the ring announcer and, and Chief J said, hey, I want you to get a black shirt, a black pants, blue shirt, a black bow tie. You're going to start reffing. And then he paid me an extra three hundred bucks that night on top of all my crew pay, and I went, "Ooh, this is not too bad." <laughs> yeah, like this. So and you know it was fun, a lot of fun, like uh, learning. And there was a lot of stress over the years too, because he didn't want to screw up somebody's match because they took it so personally, and um, you know they took it really strong that if they got buried and it made them look stupid, and you didn't cut them off in time, a heel or a baby face, to get to another guy or certain things and if you got buried you would look stupid it would put the heat on you not the heel so there was a lot of you know a lot of guys that taught me right learning from the old school i mean he couldn't couldn't go wrong there yeah that's great
1: and it's really learning on the job i mean like you said there was no like let's train and stuff like they kind of throw you the
0: wolves no it's not it's not like the pc now you go to the pc you train there you you learn there for quite a few years if not months and years before you even come up to the WWE's, you know, staff to like either the SmackDown or the or the raw roster.
1: Now, as you're kind of going along, do you remember what like your first match was that you refereed or is that something you're yeah. like, ah, eh, it's a long
0: it was Barry Horowitz and the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> wow. Yes. And that guy Barry Horowitz, I loved him. He was he was a character because he used to he used to shine them boots up every day. His his gear used to have to be picture perfect every day. And then Brawler's gear was just like ripped up and you know, like just yep. he was like, yeah, it's I haven't washed it in a week. <laughs> but yeah, those two guys were fun to work with when I first started.
1: Barry's still in great shape. Is he really?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering how he's been doing. I uh, I asked around and nobody's really knows what's going on with him, but that's good. He's in great shape still.
1: Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I booked him about two years ago, but I've talked to him since then. He said he does like the same workout regimen every day. Like, I don't know if it's OCD or whatever, but he just does stuff and he's like yeah, st- staying in shape. He, no, and,
0: That's awesome to hear yeah. that. Because, yeah, he was, he was very OCD with his gear and everything. Yep. And he had to be like, everything was picture perfect. It was, he was a great guy, though. He was a good guy.
1: Funny, almost took the OCD into like the workout. Like I got to do this, and I'll stay in shape. And he just does the same thing, and he looks great. I mean, he looks right. a lot younger than his age. He really is.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, because he's got to be up there. He's got to be sixty some years old, mm-hmm. right? Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yeah. Well, wow, that's good to hear. That's awesome to hear.
1: Yeah, he's doing good. A uh, brawler seems like he's doing good. He seems like he's in great shape too. Yeah, brawler
0: got to stay in shape and stuff. He keeps busy. He's a go-getter yep. too. He's always hustled. You know. Fortunately, the company let him go a few years back and stuff. And, you know, I don't know why. I thought he'd be around forever, too. But uh, so did I. I thought I'd be around forever. But
1: things happen. Right. And definitely want to talk about that, get back into that. But first, how how'd you actually get in, though? Is Gorilla kind of opening the door saying, hey, we have a job for referee? And yeah, that's how you get in.
0: Gorilla got me, you know, got me, spoke to somebody in the office. And then, um, and then uh, Terry Garvin it was just taken over at the time um terry garvin took over ring operations but um i started off for about a year on a crew with tony chimmel and then and it was like a tryout period almost for like eight months to a year and then i got put on the books was uh went on salary for ring crew and stuff like that and i was the salary and and just went on from there just they just want to check you out for a year if you can handle the road or whatever and uh, of course, in all our years, we never missed one shot unless it was weather permitting, canceled, or something else. But we never missed one shot with the ring crew.
1: That's a great record to have. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, when you're doing like the ring crew, where is like the ring? Is it always set up at the same point? You kind of dismantle it and then take it to the next place with, in the same truck, or how does that all work?
0: Yeah, we had a truck based out of New Jersey, right? In our Willingboro, New Jersey. So, near Mount Laurel, New Jersey. So, we had a truck there, it's stationed there all the time. So, we, We'd get in leave our cars there at this at this spot we used to pay to rent the truck just park it there and it was just based in this place and then uh we'd take off for 15 17 days come back later and a few days later go back out go back out on the road
1: how so, many guys are in the ring
0: it was just it was just tony chimmel and i and then sometimes wow. a other guy and then sometimes we'd have a steel cage with us too we'd rent the truck but we had a nice WWF truck or, you know, a nice straight job, like a 26 footer with a sleeper and all that. So and, um, you know, we, it was just Tony Chill and I would go to, you know, back in the day, you had fans used to have other people helping you. But over the course of years, you know, unions took over and then we went to buildings with a lot of unions and certain like always when you went to MSG, it was had a union, Philadelphia, certain other cities. So, um, you know. Unfortunately, you know you have union hands helping and you're just directing and managing, and you're working. And you're working as well too,
1: all day. Hate working with those unions. I've had some bad experiences working with them. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, they're pretty good as long as you give them some t-shirts. And yeah, there you go.
1: Tickets and t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's all they need. That's great. Yeah, yeah, That's it. So what? Like, when do you actually debut? Is it 1989? You. What, like get yeah. on TV, TV, any kind of yeah, debut?
0: 89. Yeah, I was refereeing pretty much like in 87, 86, 87. It took me a couple of years to pay the dues and then get up there. And, and then that I started my debut in 89 on TV. Uh, 1992 was probably one of my biggest um, venues, it was like 82,000. That's the most memorable venue there, London, Wembley mm-hmm. Arena and London, ni- 1992 at SummerSlam there's I about see. 18 000 people there and Man, joey, but... joey actually had that match with brett and uh and bulldog it was an unbelievable like 40 something minute match so he tore the house down that night
1: very fond memories as a fan watching that show and pay-per-view I just loved it yeah. which yeah. match did you referee that night
0: that match i did uh the road warriors were in a tag match uh, so i did that joe and, joe and mike joe and hawk so and uh did that match, and I did another match, too. I believe it was like a six man tag or something
1: Now they say Hawk was a little inebriated for that match. Well, Is that true, false or a little bit? I don't rude? think yeah, I think that's more of a rumor, you know, um yeah,
0: because he you know, I remember him before the before the match when he was fine in the ring, he was fine. If he was hung over, maybe hung over, but I don't <laughs> think he was uh he wasn't drinking before that
1: night now. That's quite a great match. They beat Money, Inc. or whatever. And just a, a great kind of right. moment for right. the, for that time. But Rocco was like, what the hell? Why is this thing, this little uh, ventriloquist dummy? <laughs> yeah. Well, what does this have to do with anything with the road warriors? So cool. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I remember
0: the Undertaker uh, entrance was phenomenal that night. Yeah. That was just, that was unbelievable. So. Yeah, that was a good show, man. And uh, I remember being out there for about a week before that show because we had to be out there to make sure all the parts for the ring were there. So I had to get out there at least 10
1: days earlier or something like that before that show. Had a good time in London. Do you ever get nervous like there's a big crowd or something? Like, I know the wrestlers would probably get nervous, but do do the refs get nervous? Like, oh, I better not screw anything up.
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely worry about the spots you have or if you have to take a bump and your time is coming to be there for that bump and you have to make sure it looks good. And incidental, not, you know, on purpose or that just. So, I mean, you're you're stressed a little bit, but when I'm when I used to get in a ring, it's just after a while, like you just used to block out, block out the whole crowd. And you wouldn't even realize there was 70 or 80,000 or 100,000 at WrestleMania. It would just you would you would realize it and really digest it when you're coming down the ramp and you're entering the ring and you're looking around. And people are just jawjacking and saying thing and chanting, and this and that. And you really you digest it. Once that, that bell rings, you get into his own.
1: I and feel I, like. I'd have to
0: say the one time I did mark out was the Rock and Hogan one.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like sometimes yeah. if you're in the ring and it, it's like a Hogan or a Rock or whatever, you're like, right. holy shit, I'm in. Like to me at the fan, I'd be like, holy shit, I'm in there with these guys? Like this is yeah. awesome. I
0: know. You know, that was a definitely an awesome feeling, but. When you look at it now and you look back at the match now it's like man i'm glad to be a part of that match you know icon against icon hogan took the business for so many years and just you know and the way that the crowd in toronto and canada was they're unbelievable the crowd their, their, their fan base is just a lot of respect for wrestling you know with the hearts coming out of canada and so many good wrestlers like edge and christian and and so forth so uh you know it's just um it was just a, a one. It was one of the most experiences of my life with the crowd reaction, just on an entrance and a shoulder tackle, you know, and just a big push off. It was like, whoa! We're doing some old school moves here, and we got him. You know? Like they got him.
1: So, it's just amazing. Like one guy can do like a flippity whatever and like yeah. break his neck, no pop. Hogan goes like this, and like. Was,
0: <sighs> I mean, the place just went nuts that night, though. It was just. It was, it was one of the, uh, you know, I've been through many, many matches and many crowd reactions, which are phenomenal, but that that one stands out, top five, that's for sure.
1: Amazing. Now, there is, like, a lot of things said about that match because Hogan's supposed to be the heel, Rock's supposed to be the babyface. Did Hogan, everyone always says Hogan knew he was going to get a good reaction. Did you, as the ref, did the Rock, were you guys aware that it might switch the dynamic where Hogan's going to be the babyface and Rock's going to be the heel? Yeah, we
0: didn't know. We really didn't know. I mean, we kind of knew a little bit, but not like that. I mean, I was shocked, you know, because, you know, once that music hit, and he came out on stage, it was that place erupted. It erupted. We kind of didn't know which way. I mean, if they did know, if they were 80% sure, they would have put that match on last, I believe. But that match didn't go last that night, so.
1: It should have been the main event. So many people have said that. I know people have walked out thinking that, like, okay, like, it doesn't get better than this. And they walked out on the show.
0: Yeah. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Wow. That's because you still had, you had the Chris Jericho, um, you know, in the Triple H match after that. But, and that was a title match. Yep. And so, I mean, and that's what was phenomenal about that match. There was no title on the line. You know, there was no title on the line. That's it. And that's what made it so, like, just icon against icon. And, uh, you always know, say, like, you know, Hogan passed the torch to Rock. Rock took the torch, and then he, a little while later, went off to Hollywood. That <laughs> went, yeah. out, oh, we're going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what happened with that.
1: But, it's unbelievable, though, if you just think about that match. It's like, okay, it wasn't the main event, but probably should have been. Hogan got such a great reaction. Is anybody in your ear, or is Vincent in, in your ear at all, as you're the ref, like, saying, all right, got to change this up, like, Rock, rock act, act like a heel? Or those right. guys just do it? They know what no, they're they're,
0: just- they, Those guys just went out, and they just did it. I mean, you know, and you could tell right off the bat with the entrance, which way that was going to go, you know, and then especially with the shove off, the stare down and just you, just the reaction of the crowd, you could tell which way it was going. So they were kind of like almost booing rock at some point and then doing this and then just blasting for Hogan. And it was just, um, it was just an, a remarkable night. Just, uh, And like I said, if, if they were, if they were sure they were to put that match on last, but nobody knew really. I mean, I know I didn't, and I was shocked at the reaction right off the bat.
1: How do you hide your emotions as a referee? Because if that was me, I'd be like smiling. This is awesome, you know. Hogan, oh shit! How like, like, how do you hide them?
0: Dumb look, stare on my face. It was just like, <laughs> you know, like I was just watching them on a stare off. Like, we got these people already. We haven't even you haven't even touched. So um, yeah, it was just it was unbelievable, man. It was like one of the fantastic moments of my career professional wrestling
1: now as far as like being a ref for that match I think a lot of people and I've had on Earl Hebner before I had on Marty Elias I've had on some other referees but I'm just always curious like what is the importance of the referee to a match like that at James Beer, too saying he's the, very important the third man in the ring right. what's like kind of your importance in that match
0: well the importance is time cues are, are an importance especially going off the air if you were on live pay-per-view I mean now it's a network now it's a little bit different um, the, the important is uh, making sure the guys are good. You're there for your spots. Everybody's healthy. Whoever gets hurt, you got to let the other guy know who's hurt. Um, you got The importance is making sure the rules are, are applied to the match and that there are rules. Um, and my importance to that match that night was to make sure I had to be there for that bump when I went outside the ring and I came back in and and Rock takes me out for a little bit and um i mean and you got to make sure you're there for the counts i mean you just everything's important as a referee because there's i mean there's a lot more to do these days in detail because they're doing a lot more crazy stuff i mean this wasn't going to be a high-flying match jumping off the top rope and onto a table and all this this was just a you know a a big icon against icon and they're just going to ground it they're going to you know nobody's going to come off the air you know (laughs) And nobody's going to be leaping and flying. So, but the importance of a referee is has to—it's cues, making sure you're there, your false counts are good. Um, you know, they obey the rules so you don't look stupid and you don't you don't get buried.
1: I Feel like the referee as a fan, like you don't know, like oh, what are they doing? What's their role? I Feel like it's much more important than the average fan would even think. You well, know, like is. right, you got you got somebody in your ear, is Vince or somebody else telling yeah. you maybe some things.
0: Right. Not yet. And uh, they're telling you a lot of things like it's if Vince goes to the gorilla position, he's right next to the gorilla position and the gorilla position will feed you all the information there. So and then it's whatever Vince says, you know, then you're getting it fed right from Billy Kidman or was Jerry Briscoe years ago or or Gorilla Monsoon. I mean, it's just um, over the years. So it's just, you know, you got to be there for time cues. Make sure guys these days with concussion protocols are huge um blood when blood's there you have to put on gloves you have to make sure you might have to stop the match you might have to get the doctor glue it up if it's a deep gash you know and so forth um because they don't like to see a lot of blood in a ring anymore um sponsors don't want to see that um but you know i see aew's going that way a little bit lately and i like kind of like that you know i mean they're doing actually some crazy stuff which uh i was watching uh matt hardy's match last night with darby that yeah, was a pretty good match, pretty intense match, that hardcore match.
1: Yeah, yeah, not not too bad at all. A little crazy with that that finish, though. I mean, that was a little yeah, crazy.
0: that was crazy. I, that was crazy. That kid's good, man.
1: I like that Darby kid. Good kid. With AEW, any plans on returning? Because I know you did, obviously, do a, more than a few matches right. for AEW. Yeah,
0: hopefully. If Cody needs to beat, it, it calls me. You know, you said when the pandemic, you know, things open up some more. So, I know they started hiring, but, you know, hiring big names like Big Show and and Rusev and all that other stuff. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, whatever he needs, you know, he calls me, I'm down there, so.
1: How did that come to pass originally? That was all through Cody, getting yeah. getting those yeah, matches? Cody
0: and Chris Jericho, yeah, Chris Jericho and Cody and stuff. So, and uh, they got in touch with me and appreciated that. And hopefully uh, it's, it's a part-time or a full-time
1: gig coming up, hopefully. What do you think about how everything was run down there? Did you like it professional?
0: Yes, yes, very professional. Great crew. A lot of young talent coming up. Um and they got a lot of good old school guys there enough, you know, like Warren Anderson and you know, I know he picked up staying and a lot of guys like Tully Blanchard and and uh, Dean Malenko and the, you know these this young talent can learn a lot from those agents and managers.
1: When you get brought in there and you're in AEW Do you ever think like, oh, it might be heat, even though you were technically released from WWE? You think like, oh, there might be some heat if I work for AEW or that doesn't work like that?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of like, I don't know, like, because, you know, WWE said something about, well, I mean, they did call me for a match a month or two later after they released me for Edge and Christian, uh, Edge and, um, I'm sorry, Edge and uh, Randy Orton. But I was on my way to Texas and there was no way I was going to be able to make it. They they thought I was still in Tampa, but unfortunately, I just was driving on my way with my wife to Texas, so I couldn't get back in time to do the match.
1: Now, is that something that Edge and Orton want you to be the ref?
0: Yeah, that's, you know, they they wanted me to be the referee of that match, you know, so, um, and yeah, I didn't get it either. I'm like, you know, the company's releasing me, but the boys still want me to referee their matches, which is awesome. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I was like, damn, like, you know, I, I thought I might be able to go out strong and retire soon and go out a WWE referee, so... But you know there was there was word of something like uh it's never gonna be pretty much a full time gig anymore. If, if anything, it's part-time with WWE. So but I haven't been back there since. So
1: interesting though. That that's gotta be like an ultimate sign of respect. Though. Like, uh no, we want Mike Kyoto. Guy doesn't work here anymore. No, we want Mike Yoda. I mean, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, that it is. It's a good feeling, and it's and it's been throughout my career when I was with the company, you know. Um You know, guys would, even years ago, they would say, I want Mike kyoto to do my match. And, um, you know, they they go to the agent, they would say, you know, and everybody would approve it and say, yep, great, okay, good. And, it was a great feeling when somebody wants you to do their match. Now,
1: why do, like, some guys, certain guys want you, or why do certain guys want certain referees for their matches?
0: Well, I believe it's the way you count. You know, your false counts, your one-two kickouts. Um, false finishes, um, being very aggressive in the ring. It could be a bunch of different things. They know, they know you're always there for the spots, for the bumps, when need be, or in certain things, and you could be called on when, when you don't have a reputation of screwing the matches up in the business. I mean, you know, a referee is just important in a match, third man in the ring as anything else, because you know, and, and the more the more you're you're not noticeable the more you're doing your job
1: as a referee. That's true. And yeah, that is true because sometimes you're like, who's the referee there? It's probably a good thing, right, if you can't remember sometimes?
0: That's a very good thing, you know, very good thing. So, I mean, Gorilla Monsoon used to always say that to me too. And growing up in the business, the less you're noticed, the more you're being, you know, the more you're doing your job in the ring. Pat Patterson used to say that too, you know, and he used to go – He'd be like, oh, that match. I was like, how would you like that match, Pat? Oh, that was fantastic. It was on the place when bananas, the place <laughs> You know, and then he goes, oh, you, who re- did you referee that match? I said, yeah. And he goes, ah, you did your job again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice you.
1: <laughs> that's awesome, man.
0: Yeah, because yeah, that's one thing, you know, Chief Jay. you would do some things as a referee in the ring, play ha-ha or do something. He'd come back and he'd be all over you. He'd be like, when did you start campaigning? When did you start campaigning? <laughs> Are you the mayor? And I'm like, no. Why, chief? What's that BS you're doing in the ring? He goes, "Let the boys." Because that's you know, you're not one of the boys. You're a referee, okay, chief? Gotcha. You know, playing haha in the ring. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I got you, chief. You Don't be going into business for yourself, okay? You know, but and that's one thing with AEW. They have more of a, a referee has more of a character there and uh when i went to ew it was weird like my name jr was putting my name over they put your name on the screen like you are somebody because why not referees can be somebody and um it's one thing they cut off in the wwe a long time ago a while ago
1: because remember how over tommy young was in the nwa you know before his neck injury him pushing Flair and stuff they're like tommy young the referee he was over like rover
0: Oh, he was man. Yeah. The little push spot. I love that. I used to do that with triple H a lot. That was that was,
1: that was, used to yes. Get yes. Reaction. So that was some cool stuff. Triple H definitely Ric Flair inspired with that, yep. that spot. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yep. Yep. Today's episode is brought to you by athletic greens. Our partner has a product I literally use every day. I started using AG1 because I really didn't have the time to work out. I wanted better gut health. I wanted more energy. I want to optimize my immune system. I hate taking pills. I hate taking vitamins, but I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I wanted to see what all the hype was about. So I looked into Athletic Greens and they are a lifestyle friendly brand, It's whether you eat. Keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. They contain one less gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. They support better sleep quality and better recovery. They support mental clarity and alertness. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small a micro habit with big benefits. AG1 is one thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself. It costs you less than $3 a day. Think about it. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. For each purchase, we will donate organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including no kid hungry here in the U.S., in 2020, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. Right now, to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one year free. That is right, folks. One three-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, when you're doing that stuff, like the push button, does it have to get cleared by anybody, or is that just the wrestler says to the agent like we're doing this spot and, and we're going through like how does that yeah. kind of get that didn't
0: work like that it just he but you know mentions into the uh agent we're to do this push spot just get a little reaction out of the crowd fire him up a little bit get that done show the referees got respect in the ring and he's not getting you know stomped all over or buried and it was just it was a good little spot because the crowd used to go nuts all the time so and then um of course definitely it was done on tv would have to get clear clear by vince And and anything these days gets cleared
1: by Vince still. So, is he the, I don't know, not scary guy, but is he the intimidating guy backstage? A lot of people kind of portray him as?
0: Um, No, I mean, he's not a scary guy. He's a businessman. And he's, you know, he's a strong businessman, stern, and he loves what he does. He loves what he he promotes and he likes to see it done his way. And, um, you know, and that's why I was just like, you know, I would talk to him and become quick conversations how, how are you sir how are you mike good you know this and that and in a gorilla position if he wanted anything you know you would let me know what he expects out of that match or and he wants to make sure the referees don't get buried or they don't stupid and um you know he would uh just and he'd be yes sir no sir yes sir no problem get it done it'll be done
1: now where does that come from? Him being a scary, intimidated intimidating guy. Is that sometimes maybe he fly off the handle or is maybe some bitter people trying to you know Well,
0: some mean, Sometimes he float, he flies off the handle, like any boss, you know, um, especially because you know, things are you know, when you're on TV and you're you're trying to run your 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 product and your entertainment, even though it's you know, he thinks of it just professional entertainment business, you know, he, he wants it done. The way he thinks it should be done and he's got a great mind for the business because i mean look where i mean i've seen this business from holding microphones to boom boxes for the music at arenas and you know, like taking yep. and to go into like these luxury stages now and stuff like that so it's it's a big difference from where we can, we
1: started in the 80s and um till now in 2021. man the production Vince, Kevin Dunn, those guys. I mean, the production is off the charts. Yeah, Kevin Dunn and all that guys, and Marty Miller in the truck, and and the camera crew's been with them
0: for years and years. So, and you know, and that's the thing with AEW, they have um, Tim Wahlberg and and another guy that used to work for WCW in the trucks. And I was always wondering why that their production looked very good too, and their cameras and their shootings. And I'm thinking it's not easy to shoot wrestling, but there was two guys that've been doing wrestling for years. And, in a truck at AEW and they do a fantastic job over there as well.
1: With WB and and AEW and stuff, who are some of the guys that I know was very few in AEW and it was Cody and Jericho, but who are some of the guys that like request to work with you? I'm always curious of that because they always say like uh Jericho for a while, like Marty Elias or Michaels like to certain referee, or like right. who like who is always kind of requesting you to wanted to work with you? Um,
0: I mean Iraq rock always requested years ago when he was you know in the business and um there'd be a lot of guys like Edge requested Randy Orton and so forth. Um and it was just certain matches and main event matches, and you know, I would I would do the main events, you know, and uh there's a lot of main events. I remember when, you know, Earl got sick and Boston Garden, it was WrestleMania there with Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels, you know. And since Earl couldn't do the match, they They wanted me to do the match. So that was, you know, thank God Earl was all right and everything after that. But I mean, at least it was a a good feeling that knowing that if Earl didn't do the match at that time, I was stepped up and I had to do, I was the next one to be there.
1: Did they say anything to you about Michael's not wanting to do business that night? That's the big rumor. Undertaker was kind of lurking in case he didn't want to do business. Austin was ready to kick his ass for real. I mean, all these rumors are out there. Any of that sort of true with HBK being a hard ass at WrestleMania no, 14?
0: Nah. I mean, I, I don't remember that. As far as he didn't want to do the job, that's that's for sure. Um, you know, his back was messed up. I remember his back was really messed up at that time. and He was going through some major back problems so i know we got through that match but um that was no because we re, we rehearsed that with mike tyson and all that stuff and he was in force on the outside of the ring so i mean you know he gave a nice quick three count like a one two three <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> that's what i've been teaching you for the last couple days i was like, <laughs> but it was cool working with mike tyson in there and everything so and the match went well
1: so did they say anything to you afterwards like how did you count, or how did you teach him to count to three? That was way yeah, too bad.
0: I didn't say nothing. They knew it wasn't my fault, but <laughs> I knew it wasn't my fault—that's for sure. But I mean, he was in there for, you know, a character. You know, he was oh, just yeah. in there for an enforcer, and and um, it was it was great to meet uh, Mike Tyson at that point because he knew who everybody was. He knew who I was. I'm like, you know, my name. He's like, man, I watch wrestling every week. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I know you, Mike. And he's like, I know you too, Mike. He's like, Mike Chioda. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, how do you know the referees? I'm like, so he was a big fan. He was a big fan, too.
1: Now, he was a big part of the turning point, like where as far as WWE was dominating for 83 weeks, they bring in Tyson, that starts getting some ratings. Then you tease Austin versus McMahon. And I believe April 13th, 1998 on Monday Night Raw, I was there in the in philly i believe you're the referee for austin the first austin versus vince match
0: oh yeah yeah that's uh that's when you got to make sure the boss is he was and he's jacked up he looked good he, he's still jacked so um yeah it was good it was just you got to make sure the boss all right steve you know vince wants everything done this way and this way and this way because he's never stepped in the ring too many times you know at that point and um Stone Gold's just like, yeah, let's go out there and have fun, kid. You know, just make sure if uh, I drop any beers, just get them to me. <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> that night, it was awesome because being a fan, me, my brother, and my buddy, we went and right. we're just like, there was something in the air. And you knew that WBF was turning the corner and they were about to start winning. It was just something in the air that was very, very special. It was such a cool night. It's like, wait, Vince is going to wrestle often? Like, this is oh, awesome. And then one tied hand behind your back. And like, that's
0: such a good show unbelievable yeah because uh i mean you know the crowd and everybody even backstage got a kick out of it because when you're kicking a shit out of your own boss that's the owner of the company i mean the people are going to pop you know like because he's such a good heel vince he's yeah. such a great heel and um i mean they just and they just they love it and stone cold was so over you know it's stone cold back in them days that was that was great too as far as just you know Every night, crowd popping, and him just you know, just getting that crowd going. He come out and do his thing. It was just Stone Cold, The Rock, the whole Attitude Era in the late you know the late nineties, going into two thousand. So, and then it was just uh, it was fantastic. Even uh, you know you got to remember nine eleven was two thousand one September, and some months later, that's when we had the Rock and Hogan match, and tore tore the house down in Toronto. You know, and just. Yep. A, coming off all that you know was was pretty good
1: with austin and mcmahon especially Austin at that point i don't think people realize like obviously the hogan pop is huge road war pop is huge that austin pop is it's like huge as a family I mean, it's electric it's not yeah. even like oh a few people are standing up i mean everyone yeah popped. i
0: mean as you soon know? as that glass broke you know it just poof. people knew they just came up to the occasion you know same thing with rock you know and and as soon as his music would hit, the people would just come off their seats. You know, and Stone Cold just had a great look, man. I mean, he just, you know, bald-headed look and coming down and ringing. I mean, he was good shape, you know, Texas boy. And, um, and they just loved drinking beers and kicking your boss's ass. They loved him.
1: <laughs> that they night. Played- that night um on raw like when vince is in the ring does vince say anything to you about like uh you know make sure like everything goes to plan or is he totally focused as a character he's not he's not in charge right now he's vince the wrestler
0: yeah i mean you know he's he's vince the character plus wrestler and wants to go everything to plan and um you know is just calling spots back and forth or something like that or and so forth and you know he if he would say like, okay, you know, what do want me to do next? You know, because really in there, like Stone Cold was the ringleader. And you have, you know, anybody that's facing Vince is pretty much, you know, I know Vince is the boss, but he's not the ringleader. You know, so when you're just trying to take care of Vince and make sure he don't get hurt either.
1: Yep, catch. Gotcha. Now, is your role like even more heightened because it's Vince or is he just one another one of the boys to you? No, it's just it's it's a little more hyped when
0: Vince is in there because you don't want to screw up when your boss is in there, that's for sure. So and uh, you want to make sure he's happy with everything that went with the match because he's taking it just as serious as anybody
1: else. As far as like big time and I count Rock Hogan as like a main event, even though technically wasn't the main event. How many like WrestleMania main events have you been a part of? Because I know it was 21, 22, 23 uh 28 31 14 i might be missing some but it was a lot you were the main event for right right
0: um yeah it was a lot of me and i I don't know how many exactly i was the main event for but i know there was a lot that's for sure um you know it's just the rock and hogan um rock and stone cold match when they they i had the first 10 minutes of that match before i got my head ripped off with a chair (laughs) Yep. <laughs> and uh so i mean yeah that hurt for a few days boy my bell was ringing um and uh you know i mean it's just all the all these there, there were some great matches in there with triple h and batista and this one and just so many now. i don't know how how many exactly i've done, but i you know what i might have to look that up
1: <laughs> yeah that's pretty awesome though like you're like hey i have been in as many main events of wrestlemania as hogan you know what i mean it's like yeah. damn it's pretty impressive
0: Yeah. Well, I I sure didn't sell tickets. I comp tickets. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) good point. Yeah. You know, (laughs) how do you get that? How do you get that spot, though? Is that that's just Vince saying like he wants you in the main event?
0: Yeah. I mean, that Michael Hayes, Pat Patterson, when he was a big agent back then, and Michael Hayes is still the big agent, one of the producers over there. And, you know, when you get top agents and they, they pick the referees too, they'll say to the talent, hey, let's get so-and-so to do this match or get this referee, get Charles Robinson, get John Cone, get Chad Patton, or we want Mike Kier to do this one. And I tell you, they make the lineup.
1: Got to be like a great honor, though, because this last match, the biggest match usually of the night, true. most important match of the night.
0: No doubt, yep. And it is true. And like, and like I said, uh, you know, most referees stress with commercial breaks and going off the air. So you got to hit your cues. It's very important. And you got to tell the boys that they got to get their cues on spot.
1: Has there ever been a time where you're, like, rushing the guys? You're like, guys, come on. You oh, know, yeah.
0: It- Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cursing up a storm. Swearing because I'm getting cursed at. I'm getting sworn at. You know, <laughs> when you're down to that 30-second mark and the finish has not gotten done yet and they need at least 10 seconds of them, you know, like gloating or doing something at the end or pointing at the WrestleMania sign, yeah, that gets stressful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It gets a little intense.
1: Any time where you basically had to like tell the guy like you no know, cursing or whatever, but finish it before I get killed over here. I mean, come on. What are you oh, yeah. do you Yeah, no,
0: that's that's it. I mean, that's like let's go effing home. Let's go now. I mean, we gotta go. We gotta go now. I mean, screaming. Acts like I'm yelling at the wrestler, but I really am because I'm telling we gotta go home, you know. So I mean, it's just um I've never I've never in my career went off the air, not with the finish not with the finish not being done. Always executed the time cues
1: and gone off the air with the show. And that's probably why they wanted you for the main event of Mania. I mean, it's the biggest it, show of the year, probably the biggest match of the year. Could be, could be, could have been. You know, so you gotta you gotta hit the uh, the home run all the way around. I'm, I'm just curious: is there a certain wrestler that you didn't maybe like to work with because they wouldn't hit their time cues?
0: Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that, you know, there's not nobody I really didn't like to work with or nothing like that, but it's just sometimes you have something laid out and sometimes that time goes so fast in the ring, and you you hate to rush a match and you just got to go over your time limit. But, you know, and that's, that's happened a lot too, where they've gone to time time cues and then they've had to take in a match off the next match time off the next match. So. Oh, you're cut three minutes because they went over three minutes. That's normal. So things like that happen, and you know, and sometimes more matches go over five minutes or eight minutes, and the back gets hot a little. You know, the agents get hot, but it gets worked out.
1: Did Michaels ever get in trouble? Because he always says, like WrestleMania twenty five, for instance, they gave him an Undertaker like fourteen minutes, and him and Taker looked at each other like fourteen minutes. We're going at least twenty. So it's like did, like, did they ever get in trouble? Like, or does the ref get in trouble? Is the agent get in trouble? Like I mean, when that happens?
0: Well, I mean, sometimes everybody gets a little you know reprimanded, but they know it's a talent, and a talent take the heat for it. And the uh, the referee, they you know you they know the referees given the cues, and so, I mean, yes, I mean, sometimes, you know, like uh, Sean, I mean, Sean and Taker's match, Charles Robinson had that match. So, I mean, you know, and Sean and Taker, they can use up the time and get no heat.
1: That's yeah, sure. Cool, yes. Yeah. But it's. Uh, yeah, you know, Michaels is going to use it wisely and it's going to make the match better rather than like, go home already. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Especially him and Taker. You know, those matches are phenomenal. I love them watching that match i wish i had that match charles robinson had that match
1: (laughs) i was gonna say is there any matches you wish you had rather
0: that's one of the matches i do wish i had that taker sean you know definitely that was a hell of a match the first one there too
1: remember correctly were you the ref for razor moan one two three kid when one two three kid did the like the crazy upset
0: sure was yep that was a that was a great feeling in that manhattan center you know a great vibe new york crowd. it was just a great wrestling place at theater you know it was like a tower theater place and um yeah that was that was awesome i was in that bow tie with the blue shirt and a little in the mullet back there at yeah, the mullet back then <laughs> <laughs> but what a pop but what a reaction i got
1: yeah that was pretty cool pretty good night now as far as like actually wrestling i know you had at least one match i think it was you jericho rock against the dudleys and nick patrick in the alliance era did you ever get a any more inkling, like, man, this is great. I want to wrestle some more, or was this like, yeah, eh, I shouldn't be out there?
0: No, I shouldn't be out there. Yeah, I was kind of like, that was cool to do. That was awesome. With, I mean, look at Y2J, Chris Jericho, and and The Rock, and the Dudleys, and then Nick Patrick, you know. And uh, it was a great time. It was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, but I didn't want to be doing that every night, that's for sure. <laughs> it was too late in my career to start wrestling, that's for sure.
1: How did they say, like, "Hey, we we were doing this WCW versus WWF thing. We want you to wrestle." Like, how did it even come about?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's why I showed up to the arena that day, and they they were like, "Look, you're you're going to be wrestling." I said wrestling, I don't have wrestling gear. He's like, "Oh, you're going to be wrestling in your referee gear." I said, "What?" And they they told me, you know, it was six man, and so it was great. I had a lot of fun with it, and I was just hoping I didn't screw that people's elbow up too much. <laughs> <laughs> don't screw this up. Don't trip. Don't fall. <laughs> And don't kill Nick, you know. Yep. So yeah, but we had a lot of fun with that. and That was one of my uh, moments in my career that I liked a lot. Can never say, yeah. You know, I, I don't even remember another referee having a match like that. To be honest with you,
1: few and far between, for sure. Yeah. Now, did you think like you should have some more matches after that, or or no? You wow. th- you didn't think you were that great? No. Let me just uh, <laughs> let me let me go back to ref, and that's all. <laughs>
0: That's it. Stick to what I know.
1: Now, got to talk about this because you mentioned it before too, though. The release last April from WWE, after 31 plus years, I mean, you were there for so long. You said you were a bit shocked by a bit surprised. Did they ever give you like a reason of of why it happened? Like Brawler 2 got released and Rotunda got released. I mean, a bunch of guys got released.
0: No, I don't know. I mean, Tony Chimel was 38 years in the business. I was 35. Um, John D'Amico was 32. And I just had and I've seen John D'Amico last week went out to dinner downtown Tampa and seen some of the referees and stuff. Wanted to, They wanted to hook up for dinner and stuff and see each other. So it was great seeing them guys, a bunch of guys like Chad Patton, Charles Robinson and Sean Bennett and uh, Ryan Tran and John D'Amico. So it was great seeing those guys. And it's just, yeah, there's no reason. Like when I got the call, I thought it was going to be more of a pay cut. but And then when it happened to Tony Chimmel and, And John D'Amico and John D'Amico, I just moved to Tampa knowing that I was close to to the PC that you wouldn't even have to pay for my flight to come in. You know, I could because I was driving down there, helping training the refs. I was working my shoulder out. I was injured for about six, seven months because I had bicep and um, rotator cuff surgery. And I had Dugas in Alabama do it for me. Did a great job, but I was ready for WrestleMania. And then the pandemic hit. I mean it was a great thing it was like wow wrestlemania is in tampa i just moved to tampa and so i mean it was all like uh it was just a complete shock i thought it was going to be about more of a pay cut than a, a release
1: did they give you a reason or was it just because of the pandemic they were just cutting all the old like the old timers kind of
0: that's that's what it was i was just i guess so you know they they really just they just said uh yeah we're we're, we're losing so much here but then you're hearing the company did its best revenue and just its best things and they're selling you know the network and just recently but a year ago i think they did they had their like best quarter ever you know and they released like guys that were with the company for 30 some years
1: it's insane like you're like okay pandemic okay that's a good excuse but then you look at their bottom line like you said it's like holy crap they had two of their biggest quarters ever in a row it's like like they didn't need to cut anybody
0: right exactly i mean they, they took care of me on pay for a while you know for Quite a few months and so that was very nice i mean they don't have to do that either but i mean uh you know it is what it is so it's just you know one door closes another door opens up you know it's just it's weird calling tony chimmel and keeping in touch with him and his wife and his family and and he don't work for the company either anymore it's like just it's a weird feeling you know it's just like wow so you know he's just he said look it's time maybe to live a normal life <laughs> 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 instead of travel and all i mean because You know, when we were busy, we traveled so much in our career. It was just, I mean, over 50 different countries a lot of countries in and out of every country, all the little towns in Italy, England, here, there, South Africa, Japan, China, Korea, Singapore, so many places all over Canada and all over the United States and all these little towns in the United States. We've been to like everywhere, Tony Chumann and I. so it's kind of like in, in other words maybe uh you get up at 8 go to work at 9 and come home at 5 <laughs> so start
1: to do that. Yeah, it's not a normal everyday job. that's uh, for sure. Definitely yeah, not.
0: Definitely not. No, who's traveling was like, you know, my profession was travel. I love it and you could have never went you know, you would never with any other sport you couldn't see the
1: world like you see it with the world wrestling entertainment. We wrestling does it make it any easier or harder that all you like your friends are kind of released with you or, or guys you know for years are released with you or does that even make it harder it's like oh we all got released like this is terrible yeah I mean it's it's
0: it doesn't doesn't make me happy to see anybody get released especially during a pandemic um we were you know kind of like wow just during a pandemic well we've been through the thick, you know the ups and downs of the company so many times whether WCW is going to put us out of business whether the scandal years ago was going to put us out of business, whether this was going to happen. Um, and in the pandemic, it's like, so how do we go out and make our money when there's no work and no nothing going on, really? You know, so it's kind of um, just waiting for things to open up.
1: Yeah, it's like they're the only game in town, obviously, AEW runs, but yeah. all the other promotions stop running.
0: Everybody loves AEW. Because now you have somewhere else to go. So it's it's great to have competition. And Tony Khan and them guys are doing a great job over there. And Cody and Y2J and all them. Great job.
1: If you look at it it's like Christian and you know, he's back wrestling, big show, Jericho, Cody's yeah. from WWE Tech. I mean a lot of guys. Uh, Matt Hardy finding homes in AEW.
0: That's correct, right. And you know, like you always heard they weren't gonna pick up too many WWE guys, but they picked up the right ones, I think, and Hopefully, I get there full time. So hopefully, uh, you know, I'm there full time at some point.
1: They them. are lacking a senior referee. I don't know if you've noticed that, right? Yeah, I like the of, leader of the crew, right? I mean, yeah. they need a lead guy. Yeah,
0: they all do a great job, the referees, right? But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's um, yeah, I would love to be down there helping referees out there, doing matches and helping refs and working with that young talent they got coming up in AEW. That'd be great.
1: Now I always hear Jimmy Corderas, obviously yeah. forms of the referee. I always hear him saying that they making the uh referees look bad. Yeah. You ever get that sense? You ever think like, oh, you're making the ref look bad. You ever get that feeling?
0: Yeah, I do. I definitely do. I know where Jimmy's coming from too and stuff like that, you know. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a lot of things where a referee could, you know, work with the talent and you know, can we shorten this spot up so I'm not out there with for 15, 20 seconds and just with my thumb up my butt you know just sitting there going duh and looking yep. stupid or um and you of course you don't want to you know you want to see things when your back needs to be turned and somebody's supposed to take it just a lot of things where you can work with the agents and work with the talent and they do care about the referees that's for sure they do care because when i was down there they did care about rules and and the regulations and stuff so
1: I remember there was one spot. I forget who was in the match, but Audrey had to like walk by the cheating because the person came up on the apron on the wrong side. She had to like walk by and she like, it was so bad. I was like, man, they made her look so bad, but what what was she supposed to do? That was the spot she's supposed to get distracted with. It's like, oh man.
0: Right, right. Yeah. If somebody comes up on the wrong side and stuff like that, that's totally, uh, you got to be on the same page and that's, that's hard for the referee. I mean, that's, that's nothing the referee can do just try and, try and protect herself as much as possible. And during that spot, she's got to just try and protect herself as much as possible. And, and that's it. So, I mean, it's when, and there are screw ups like that. So, I mean, it's going to happen.
1: I feel like sometimes the ref has to be the ring general, but sometimes the guys don't want to follow suit. So it's like, oh, come on
0: guys. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That is true.
1: Now, as we hit the wind down and head towards the finish, I'm just curious about this. Cause I'm thinking like, as a fan, it's like, all right, I'm watching, let's say, Rock Hogan. You ever get caught up in the match and almost like lose focus because you're like watching the match along with it, or is that like you're oh, too yeah. professional, that would never happen?
0: Well, there's times, yeah, I've been professional never happened. There's there's a few times I did get caught up in a match, to be honest with you, because you know, even though you know these guys and they just do such a fantastic job. Some of these guys got so much character and get the crowd going whether it was John Cena, The Rock and Hogan, and John Cena would get that crowd. They'd be booing him all over the world the first 10 minutes of the match, and the last 10 minutes going home, they'd be cheering for him. Um, it was just weird. It's it's, it's great, because you get caught up in how these wrestlers can get the people, you know, and Miz on his promos, or this one, and Paul Heyman, and Brock Lesnar. It's just, it's just phenomenal to see so many different people work with so many different characters in different ways, I would get caught up i'd get caught up on paul heyman's promos a lot because i I loved his promos you know bray wyatt when bray wyatt used to do his backstage interviews and his his you know his promos oh my god he's
1: he's great at cutting promos
0: kind of not feeling a demon character now but
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm right there with you the fiend it's so weird yeah Yeah, it's it's just it's a little
0: just throws me off a little bit
1: and I'm not sure what they're going. I mean, I love Alexa Bliss. But I'm not sure what they're going for with like how she's dressing. Like, it's supposed to be like a little kid or like I don't. i kind of don't get it. It's weird.
0: I don't get it either. So yeah, it's a little, you know, yeah, it's a little weird. So I don't know.
1: <laughs> I know. And then they burnt them alive.
0: Yeah, I see. I seen Randy post something or something on Twitter or somewhere like, thanks for costing me twenty thousand dollars to bring my family to wrestle a demon. <laughs> <Or something. laughs> I went on they probably made he probably had a lot of family there and he made him pay for all his tickets
1: yeah sure damn as far as kind of you know working at WWE for so long and and just being around do you have any regrets in, in wrestling anything you like weren't able to do or anything that you didn't get to get the chance to be a part of
0: no not really I really have no regrets it's been a, it was amazing 35 35 year run I mean it's been great um you know, it's unfortunately, it's what I know how to do best is refereeing. Um, do I want my career to end right now? No, you know, I, I still got a few more good years left. in me, mean, that's for sure. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping to definitely, I mean, I've traveled over 50 to 60 different countries, a lot of beautiful places around the world. Didn't get to see the whole world in 35 years, but I've seen a lot and it was just, it's an amazing, it was an amazing experience. There's, like I said, you can play. In, Professional football, baseball, anything, and you're still never going to travel like professional wrestling does.
1: As far as podcasting, I know you do some stuff with the uh, ad-free shows with yeah, Connie, yeah, you, with
0: Paul Bromwell. Yeah, Paulie's taking care of me, Paulie B, and uh takes care of me on there, and Conrad Thompson and everything, and ad-free shows. Yeah, Monday mailback with uh, Mike Keogh on Monday nights it's
1: coming up. How did that morning. all come about?
0: Conrad reached out to me, so he reached out to me. He said, "Man, I think you probably have a lot of fantastic stories, and I've heard you know I've heard your your career has just been amazing." And um, so, and, you know, and he's, he's you're interested in doing podcasts. And I said, "Yeah, sure." I said, "You know, as soon as uh, WWE stops paying me, then I'm you know I'll be pretty good to go do some podcasts." And so, you we know, I reached back out to him, and we got hooked up, and they're they're teach me the ropes on this podcast though this is something totally new i tell
1: you <laughs> you like doing it though you like answering yeah. the questions and yeah, sometimes yeah. they can be a little off the wall i'm sure yeah some off
0: the wall but you know what like you know like yourself today very intelligent questions and very nice questions respectful and that's what that 99% of the times i'm getting intelligent respectful questions and and nice comments from fans too so it's really i've been enjoying it very much it's, it's really nice to see how many people and how many fans out there appreciate what the referee did, what a referee
1: yeah. did. That's I feel true. like as the fan kind of evolves, they're getting a little smarter. Uh, maybe they're not really watching as much current, but they're listening right. to podcasts, and they're getting smarter. Like, wow, the referees, the importance level is higher than we thought.
0: Right, and even like, you know, sometimes these these younger uh, fans, you know, with wrestling fans, and I'm going, wow, he's only 20-some years old, and then you forget. It's like, oh, he's been watching the network. That's why goes back, watch the network and you could watch and they probably pop even more when they see me in the ring 31 years ago as a young kid, you know? So, yep. but, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been cool doing these podcasts and, and everything and looking forward to doing a lot more. And I got another podcast up here in a couple hours.
1: Very good. As far as kind of dark side of the ring too. Yeah. Are you doing more stuff for them? Or is that just kind of, uh, well, did something, uh, Let's
0: see, John, I did, that was, um, the Brett screw job was done a while back and I did something in December and that's for June. I think it's coming out in May or June. Then for the next, their next segment. And that's some about the flight, uh, the flight from hell. And, uh, and then, yeah, they called me to do something else coming up here soon. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's been, a, been pretty nice working with Vice too. Nice. Look at that. But Keeping busy for sure. Cool. They do a good job on that Dark Side of the Ring. They do. A yeah, good I like job. it. I really do. I like it. I have Conrad, Conrad's now is uh, doing, doing Vice and doing Dark Side of the Ring.
1: Yeah, he's doing the Confidential Show. Yeah, which yep. which you were part
0: of. Yeah, very cool. Yep. Yeah, real cool. So, that's awesome.
1: As far as what's next, what's next on the horizon for you? Like, what what do you got planned? What are you thinking about? What do you want to be? Well,
0: you know, we've, we've been taking some time. We, we want to travel a little bit me and my wife because everything's been pretty shut down for the last year. And uh, we've been just going all over Florida right now and, and, you know, a little bit back and forth to Texas. That's where she's from. Um, back and a little bit back and forth to Jersey, see family. And we, we want to travel a couple more places, Aruba and just, you know, don't worry about anything. Just relax. Have a, you know, and then if something comes up, you know, I mean, I'm, I got a lot of appearances coming up. Uh, I work for a landscaping company part-time designing uh, uh, landscaping and palm trees and landscaping for homes and stuff. And so I do that on the side and I'm keeping busy, you know, and we get to enjoy a lot of beach weather in Tampa.
1: Yes. Beautiful and, down there.
0: Yeah. Clear water, Siesta Keys, uh, Tarpon Springs. And we'll go down to uh, St. Augustine. She loves that area. My wife and enjoy it over there
1: that is awesome now as far as your social media where everybody can find you where can uh, everybody kind of find you or they want to book you or whatever where can they get in touch with you yeah
0: that's at on on twitter and it's at mjc kyota chioda, c-h-i-o-d-a and it's uh that's my twitter handle and uh and i have some shirts with a third man in the ring just a new new design coming out and uh paul bromwell helped me out with that and had free shows and uh, that's at pro wrestling Tees.
1: Good stuff, love it. Hope to see more and more, and hear more and more from you. You've got such a, a great mind for the business, and you're always telling some great, great stories. And I, I love hearing from you. It's a good, some good stuff from you. And obviously, you've been around the block over 30 years in WWE. Pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, right. Been around the block a few few decades, I'd say, <laughs> three and a half yeah.
1: decades. <laughs> a lot. You know, you would say normally, like a guy was in WWE for like three years. You're like, well, um, ten times that. So it's pretty yeah. impressive. I know, I know. We used to joke around
0: when somebody was in. The, You know, when you're in a relationship for like six months or a year, they'll go, Oh man, that was a good run for a year. Yeah, it's it's, it's been an amazing run. It's like, I mean, when you see the old school wrestlers that used to come to the Hall of Fame, it's like, Oh my God, you're still here, Kyoto. It's like, Yeah, it's like, don't say it too loud. (laughs) Yeah, don't ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so unfortunately, you know, I mean, it'd, it'd be nice if I can finish off my career with AEW or train referees or do whatever. I would, you know, I'm up for anything. So we'll see.
1: All right. Awesome stuff. Mr. Kiota. thank you so much for all the time today. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on, John. appreciate it. Maybe there's another time. Let me know. We'll get together. Absolutely. Definitely. Right.
1: Thank you. Uh, thank you so much.
0: Thank you and be safe in Jersey.
1: This has been a John Paz power trip production in conjunction with the two man power trip of wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at pro two man power trip where the power lies brother.